Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Keep Right On podcast. We've got a win to digest this week, uh, joined as usual by Brian Dick. Uh, we're going to be going through last night's game against Huddersfield, a big emphatic 4-1 win for Blues. Got in them, get them back on track in the Championship. We're going to look at the West Brom game coming up, obviously only in a few days now. Uh, as well as all the major talking points surrounding the club. Um, Brian, I'm just going to start straight away by going on last night. Um, a fantastic win and uh, a fantastic performance from a certain someone as well. Yeah, a certain someone. Uh, all rise, Manny Longello. No, no, um, obviously we're talking about Siriki Dembele, although we will come on to Longello. And before we get going, I just want to say thanks to everyone for their takes again. There's there's lots of them, some really interesting ones, and we will get to those late, later in today's pod as well. But yeah, starting with last night, uh, John Eustace has been saying all season that, they, that that Blues have been creating chances, hasn't he? And finally, um, there was a finishing touch uh, applied to applied to these chances. I thought Blues were really, really good. I thought Huddersfield were really, really the opposite. Um, they, they, the lineup was mysterious to me. They seemed to have quite a few players playing out of position. Uh, they seem quite passive, but we're not here to talk about them. We're here to celebrate the fact that Blues have put four goals past somebody, and they put that awful, awful in terms of results September behind them. So yeah, I, I was set by you last night, and uh, it was really enjoyable, wasn't it, Alex? It was just nice to see. We'll come on to the front four a, a lot later. But it's just nice to see some real footballers up at the t- up the top end of the pitch, actually causing opposition problems. Yeah, it was nice to see Sariki Dembele back in. To be honest, we we I'd, I'd almost forgotten what a difference he makes. I mean, um, he was just superb from start to finish. Uh, the first goal, yes, Lee Nichols could have done a bit better. I think it was a really poor goalkeeping error, but probably taken a little bit by surprise that Dembele has taken one touch between two players and just smashed it from twenty five yards. Um, and yeah, got in great start, and you know it was it was the Sariki Dembele show from there, wasn't it? Really, I think um, you know Pearson, who was playing right back, right sided centre back for for Huddersfield, was given an absolutely torrid time. Uh, some of the skills Dembele was was pulling out shouldn't be allowed on a football field, in my opinion. Um, you know, it took three kicks from Pearson before he went into the book, and I think even Blues fans were. were was sympathetic with him and the the treatment he was given by Dembele in that first half in particular. Um, but yeah, Miyoshi getting on the act as well. Stansfield, you know, when he's not scoring, he's he's running his socks off. Um, and uh, Bakuna played his part in some of those attacks as well. The front four were were really really good. Um, but yeah, Dembele, some player. Absolutely. Um, it, I agree with you about the first goal. If if that goes in at the other end, we are having to talk about John Ruddy, aren't we? So, yeah. you know, he's, he's hit it firmly. <laughs> every, week. <laughs> every week, yeah. Um, uh, so he's hit it firmly. It is a good strike and, and maybe he's been caught um, caught out by the by the pace. The second goal, Dembele's got his fingerprints on that as well, hasn't he? Because mm. he, he, he he takes takes two touches and I think he actually makes uh, Pearson on, on the touchline and, and, and then... Goes down, goes down the left, uh, pulls it, pulls it across, and it, it runs through to um, to Cody Drame. And uh, one 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 little contribution I'd like to sort of highlight from that is, is Stansfield makes a little run, which ju- outside of Drame, which just takes the defender away and gives it gives him the room to, I think, not shoot. He sort of played a percentage ball into a into a dangerous area, didn't he? Uh, and, yeah. and fair play to Mayoshi for. For, for for gambling on that one, and and then the third goal, Bakuna played his part in that, and and I actually thought uh, Mayoshi had just slightly underhit his pass um, to to Dembele, but the clarity of thought, he, it was like he knew what he was going to do, and mm. um, the minute he he sort of got up to the ball, and you know it wasn't the strongest finish, but he just passed it into the net, didn't he? He, he had a, he had that clarity that I know where I'm going to put this. If I hit it early, the keeper won't be set. Uh, and and yeah, he was until he was taken off. He was just an absolute. He gave gave Huddersfield a torrid time. So yeah, it was. You gave him. Did you give him nine or nine and a half in the yeah, end? Yeah, so, I, I gave him a nine. Um, you know, if it's a hat trick, you're probably talking question over a ten. But considering the opposition, Huddersfield were quite poor. It's fairly routine for Blues, wasn't it? in the end. I think it would have been a bit a bit of a jump to give a ten when that's the the so called perfect performance. Um. Yeah. But he was he was outstanding, wasn't he? Um, some of the things he was doing, 
were were a joy to watch. And you know, interestingly, the the issue has obviously been not being able to get him on the field enough this season. He hadn't started a game in six before that one. Um, and when he has been on the pitch in the league this season, Blues have scored six times, and Dembele, his fingerprints have been all over five of those goals. Uh, he scored right. three of them, played a key part in setting up two more. So it just shows what a force he is at this level. Um, and, you know, with with Miyoshi as well, Stansfield, Blues have got some really, really good technicians at, to- at the top end of the pitch now. Probably players they haven't had while they've been in the Championship, apart from maybe the first season just after they came down from the top flight. Um, so, you know, in games like this against Huddersfield at home, lower teams down in the Championship, we shouldn't be surprised if Blues can blow them away. Is that you saying this is the best Blues team for 12 years? <laughs> um, Always thinking about it. Many better, can they? they can't really have had many better when you think no, about it. No, I, I suspect um, not, you know, which is probably an indictment of the previous well, yeah, uh, 11 of those 12 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, I agree. Um, and if you you just goal-shaped games, obviously, and yeah. even, even going back to the opening game with, with Dembele, you know, he finished that goal well at Swansea as well, didn't he? He's, he's just a good finisher and, and it takes the stress off whoever's playing as the nine or the or the furthest furthest most forward just to have those goals from, from the attacking line. Incidentally, I said to you last night, I don't think I've ever given a 10. I think I gave Damari Gray a 10 when he scored three against Reading many moons ago. Mm. So um, it has it has been done. But yeah, Dembele, and, and you're right, and it's about keeping me on the pitch. And Eustace was actually not defensive, uh, but he was on the front. I think he's probably on the front foot, wasn't he? Playing a forward defensive, maybe with with his use of um, Dembele, you know, saying that there was method to his madness and, mm. and by by keeping him back. Uh, and yeah. you can you can see just what a vital player he is, and some of the takes we've got coming just say you know what a different team Blues are with him in it. Yeah, I, I don't think um, it's clear. You said that himself that he wanted to play him against Huddersfield, and that's fair enough. Your home game where Blues are going to have more of the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's in Blues' best eleven, isn't he? Hopefully, now he's back to full fitness. He's he's back in the, the eleven permanently. Um, one other player on the subject of, of player ratings, Brian, as we've mentioned, um, that I want to come on to is is Manny Langello. Uh, I gave him a seven last night, and I actually, on reflection, feel like it may have been a little bit harsh. Um, I maybe could have stretched to an eight for him. Um, he got the assist for Jordan James at the end. That goal, good finish from him. But I just thought his passing all night was really good. Um, you know, he picked out Dembele so often down the left. And there was one ball where um, Dembele's kind of came towards the touchline and almost dummied Pierce and then ran in behind him. And Lengolo hasn't even thought about it and just put the ball in behind Dembele's in again. So, um, yeah, his passing was superb. His defending's improving, I think, as well. Um, there's always going to be the debate over whether he can be a left-back long-term. Naturally, he's probably better suited to the left wing back. But, you know, defending aside, we've got to look at the fact. And Manny Langello is a very good footballer. Absolutely. Uh, do you think he's a horse for a course in, in, in the respect that if you are going to be on the front foot, have more of the ball, going to be mm. doing quite a lot of attacking than his, than his, uh, his defensive side of his game is de-emphasised? Uh, and and as, as you said, you know, there are some one lovely moments from him last night. And incidentally, he had more touches than any other Blues player. Mm. Um, uh, you know, so there clearly was a plan to uh, channel the ball out to him and get him playing that ball down outside the the uh, outside the, def- the outside centre half or inside the, the the one you mentioned when when Dembele was freed into the box. So yeah, I was a little bit when when Huddersfield had a little bit of pressure in the first half. I was I'm saying to you, wasn't I saying, oh, block the cross, block the cross. Mm. Uh, but that wasn't really what last night was about, was it? It was it was about his his attacking game, and yeah, so he might go on to have a career on the left of a, of a four two three one, i.e. in Dembele's position potentially yeah. if if Buchanan uh, is comes back sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's give the guy some plaudits because uh, he certainly had some criticism, and, and and I thought I thought he was really good last night. I don't know if I'd stretch to an eight, maybe a seven seven and a half. Mm. Um, until the guys making the debuts only on at the end, but uh, Brandon Kayla for his first championship appearance to the club, his championship debut, and also obviously new sign Emmanuel Iwu finally gets on the pitch. Um, I don't think we can really cast any kind of judgment on Iwu because we've 
I'm not sure if he even touched the ball in those five minutes or whatever he's on the field um, playing it right back. Uh, but it was great to see Kayla get on the pitch again, wasn't it, Brian? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. I would. I did to just check the stats before we came on here and Iru did touch the ball six times and, and he completed all three of his passes. So, yeah, he was um, he, he, he was there and, yeah, good to see him get his feet wet in the, in the championship. Um, you know, even with Keith and Laird, back, Laird out, I'm not sure, you know, anyone's going to dislodge a drama at the moment because I think yeah. he's, I think he really is growing into into that position. I thought he was very good last night as well. But yeah, the big the big story is the the first player of South South Asian heritage to play for Blues in the Championship, Brandon Kayla. Um, I'm not going to be mean spirited and say he probably should have done better to shut to close out close out the cross for the uh, for their consolation goal. Um, but yeah, you know, yesterday was about more than that. It was about an 18-year-old lad get, coming through the system, getting onto a championship football pitch, um, and and you know, there's, there's 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 eyes on him, isn't there? You know, you see mm. you see Sky Sports doing uh, tracking his progress um, because of his heritage. So, real big day for that young man. And uh, in, interestingly, we had a little exchange with. Um, with Eustace, didn't we? Afterwards, in in, in a press conference, uh, just just tell everyone what 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 that was about. Yeah, I, I found found that really interesting. To be honest, um, uh, Eustace said that uh, Kayla had knocked on his door the day before the game, and you know asked if there's any chance of getting getting some playing time. Um, you know, for an 18 year old to do that, I think is quite quite unique. I don't think many 18-year-olds would do that. You know, if it was me and I was an 18-year-old, I don't think I'd have the confidence to have, to have gone and done something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's impressive. Um, you know, you know, probably a little bit pushy, but he wants a chance and he got he got what he wanted. So, uh, yeah, um, nice to see, really, and a bit refreshing that a young lad's got the confidence to do that at a professional club. Yeah, indeed. If I was an eighteen-year-old, I wouldn't just be confidence I was lacking in that situation. But there we go. Yeah, uh, which brings us, uh, unfortunately, to a bit of a uh, well, a, a lot of a, a sour note, wasn't it? Of, you know, we. My heart sank last night when uh, when we were, we were coming into the press room, really, you know, pumped up by by a good win and four mm. goals to find out that there'd been uh, an allegation of racial abuse levelled against, uh, 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 directed at, sorry, uh, Juninho Bakuna from from a home fan. Uh, really, not what we wanted to hear, not what we wanted to be writing about. Uh, and on a day when uh, when Brandon Kayler, um, mm. the first South, first player from South Asian heritage to, to make a league appearance for Blues, makes his debut, you know, it's just a a, a a symbol that all is not right on on that front. Um, so yeah, very, very regrettable, and uh, well, worse than regrettable, wasn't it? It, it? It's absolutely outrageous that players still have to put up with that. Yeah, the the, the saddest thing for me um, when I was thinking about it was that um, Darren Moore, the Huddersfield manager, said that Bakuna wasn't going to report it. Um, that Tom Edwards, the uh, the Huddersfield defender, who came on and to be fair, he had a right tussle with with Bakuna throughout the the twenty minutes or so he was on the field. Um, they both heard uh, the remark that was made, um, I believe, from the home section uh, in the paddocks, um, and Bakuna didn't say anything. And then Edwards pointed it out to him and said, "You know, have you heard that?" And he said, "Yeah." And he was like, "Well, go and report it then." And they've both gone and obviously reported it, but that's that's the problem for me that Bakuna's not instantly heard that and and you know gone gone over straight to the referee. That's that's a problem we've got you know in society that Bakuna potentially is thinking that you know it's not worth reporting. It definitely is worth reporting, um, yeah. and it's it's probably symbolic that not enough is being done in society and not enough has been done in football to to eradicate it because it should not it should not exist. It's ridiculous that we're still talking about these things, and I don't know who the person is, but you know, what 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 have they been taught, and how have they got these views? Where where are they from? Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I, it was interesting that that Tom Wagner actually had us put a statement mm. on the uh, on on the Blues website. It's, 
I think, I think it was timed out one o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? I presume he was in the States and, and it was much earlier in the evening, but that's clearly an issue that he felt strongly enough to, to, to get involved and, and put a statement out about. And, and that to me is a, is a, is a, is a positive sign. Um, particularly on a day when, you know, not just Kayla, but, but um, Kayla's debut, uh, but John Eustace has also uh, written about Black History Month in his programme notes yeah, as well. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's never an appropriate time, is it? But, you know, it's just, I guess what the point I'm making is it's going against the, the, the direction of tide and, you know, hopefully that tide becomes all powerful uh, one day and we don't have to deal with this either in football or, or in society at all. But yeah, um, that's not the only uh, thing Tom Wagner would have noticed in the um, in the last few hours, is it, Alex? Um, we, we're referring to the open letter he wrote to... Uh, oh, yeah. ...to the Prime Minister last week regarding HS2 and there's been a development on that today. Yeah, you'd almost stop me there, Bron. I was thinking, what the hell are you on about? Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunyak at the Tory party conference has said they're scrapping the second leg of HS2. I think it's been on the cards, obviously, from before Wagner wrote that letter to the Prime Minister. Um, been widely reported in the last few days that it was going to be scrapped, and you know he said it won't go to it won't go to Manchester. And I mean, it's it's. It's, it, keep, it keeps happening, doesn't it? I think, you know, the, the the North and people in the Midlands forget, like, constantly think that, you know, the government forget about them. And this is probably another another example of that in that, you know, there's all this talk about levelling up, yet you know, everywhere outside London seems to get left behind. Um, and uh, this would have been obviously vital to Blues and, you know, the plans that Wagner had to to bring major big events to, to the second city and obviously having HS2 to bring these those people from, from London and also from Manchester to Birmingham in, in double quick time um, was obviously something Wagner and his investors took into consideration before agreeing to buy the club. Um, so they've been shortchanged a little bit, not by the, you know, not by the club itself, but, but by people in power in this country um and you just hope that um they can find ways around it and there are you know still methods to to bring these people and make the the second city what you know knight had wanted to be yeah absolutely uh, that open letter that we were referring to just i don't think anyone will have missed it but um last week tom wagner put a, an open letter on the blues website to sunak saying that uh, he, he expected the Prime Minister to on to honour the mm. promises made to investors uh, regarding HS2, not just stopping in Birmingham, but going to Manchester and linking up the north. And have we found out today that you know that's not not going to be the case? It'll be going from Euston to the Birmingham interchange, and then um, joining up with the National Rail Network. I think is the plan. Uh, so, um, interestingly, the Birmingham interchange is out near Bicken Hill in Solihull. Um, so that's not that close to the city centre, um, close to the airport and, and the NEC and, and those sorts of things over there. Um, I'd be really surprised if if Wagner hadn't known this was coming anyway. I, th- I think the open letter would have been a, mm. would have been a last throw of the dice, to be honest with you, or j- just just to make his point. Um, I don't, but I wouldn't be naive enough for a minute to think that he thought that an open an open letter on on his football club website was going to change national policy. Yeah. And, and funding commitments um but what i what i guess i liked about it is that he was going into bat for, not just for birmingham city but for the city of birmingham um so yeah i i'm sure uh, a businessman of, of of his experience um and means will have several workarounds will, will have accounted for this um in in whatever plans he's got for the for the for the city um and interesting to see in the Andy Street, um, Mayor of Birmingham, uh, meeting with Wagner and, and Gary Cook. Uh, so I think having the the ears of the politicians on, on a local level is certainly is certainly very very good for the, for the club. Something that they've not I don't think they've really had before. Um, and uh, yeah, as as we said, hopefully, hopefully only a only a minor bump in the in the road or 
sideline in the rail track, if, if that's a slightly more appropriate metaphor. Um, so, yeah, un- unfortunate. Um, I suppose the other thing that's been coming out over, over the last couple of days, Alex, as well, uh, regards John Eustace. Yeah. Um, and uh, this sort of chatter going on regarding Rangers now that Michael Beale has been sacked. Yeah, I mean, it's not new, is it? You know, Eustace was first linked with Rangers, first international break of the season beginning of September. Um, he was asked about those links to Rangers in his first press conference back um, and said that he's not interested. You know, Birmingham City is his job and he's going to be here as long as the club want him. Um, that obviously was was in the the background at the time. Also, the, the Wayne Rooney rumours that have obviously since gone away. But, uh, but yeah, Michael Bill now sacked and Eustace has been linked with that job again in the last couple of days, um, along with three or four of the managers, I think, as well. So um, it's one of the, it's one of those, isn't it? I think I think I, I I would be surprised if if Eustace is genuinely a contender to for for Rangers at the, at this moment in time. Um, I think there probably are managers in higher leagues around around the, the around Europe that. That might be of more interest, I think, and especially given they went down the bill route last time of getting a championship manager who'd done well at the start of a season, it didn't pan out. They might not be as willing to go down that route again. Um, but as far as Eustace goes, he has he's become a bit of a talking point, I think, in the in the last few weeks. You know, in result results have gone against Blues to, um, you know, some fans I know were a bit split over the week, and I don't like to listen to the kind of. Um, I feel like not. I don't really like to listen to social media as much as inside the ground. I feel like you get more of a, a reflection as to what fans are thinking inside the ground, and I think you know when fans turn on on someone inside the ground. It's it's kind of it's the end game, isn't it? You've seen that happen so many times. Yeah. Um, never get the sense of that happening at Blues. To be fair, um, not with use at the moment. So, but the, the key thing I'm I'm struggling with at the moment is kind of what are we judging him against, uh, Eustace. Um, kind of what's success in the owner's eyes. That's something I don't think we really know. They haven't been quite clear about what their ambitions are for this particular season. They've kept those cards very close to their chest. Um, you know, I think from from the outside, my own personal opinion is that we're looking at Eustace and thinking, can he get this team to top, mid-table to top half? And then potentially kind of have they got enough second half of the season when they've got players back from injuries to to potentially kick on and challenge towards the playoffs. Um, that's probably what I'd look at as success for Blues this season based on the recruitment and what's happened before it. But um, until we have a clear idea of what the owners um, want for the club this season, I don't think we, I think it's so difficult to judge him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, they're they're on course, aren't they, for, for to yeah. be there, there or thereabouts in... In March, there are only one point, I think, going into tonight's game of fourth. Uh, obviously, obviously, that that might change. We're, 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 could well change this evening. Um, but they are there or thereabouts at the moment. So, you know, that's that's positive. Um, I think you're right. I think you made the point last night that the players that you interviewed in the summer sort of did yeah. tend to talk about top six and playoffs, didn't they? Um, yeah. And that might seem pie in the sky, but. I, I guess it's refreshing from the point of view because if your mindset, if you if you have you know the same squad as Blues have had for over several seasons, and the mindset is just to avoid relegation every, yeah. every season, then you know you you shoot for the shoot for the ceiling, and you you might at the top of the cupboard. But if you're shooting for the stars uh, and and you know only get to the moon, and the moon's ninth, then 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 great, isn't it? So you know those those raised expectations from players for me are are a positive thing. Um, if the expectations are raised amongst the owners, we don't know that, as, as you said. You know, Tom Wagner in his in his uh, other communications with the um, with supporters and Gary Cook in his interview have uh, they've never really set a target, have they? It's 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 quite unknown. But you know, with raised investments, with improved results, come comes raised expectations. Uh, Eustace has proved that he could keep a, a solid solid team in the championship last season um you know the, the the next stage for him is is to uh is to you know to help help make that team kick on and i would say i've just said that they're they're about where they they need to be to be considered and have a look in january to say what do we need um 
So I don't think it's really on track. And he, I thought, I thought he was a little bit um, fighty last night uh, when, mm. when he was when he was talking about, um, you know, judge me over a forty-six game season or yeah. judge us over a forty-six game season rather than a five-game month mm. of September. And I think that's a fair point because because they 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 are in. in, in um, Blues fans want 10th, yes, but one point off the playoffs at, after after nine, 10 games. They'd have probably taken it, wouldn't they? So, and and bearing in mind, this has done been done without Dembele and and Laird yeah. and Tyler Roberts for large large chunks as well. So he says he said last night, "Judge me over an extended period of time," and you know I'm happy for that. You know those deliberations to continue personally. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, do you want to move on to some support questions? Yes, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've, had a few, I've picked out a few earlier, Brian. So we're going to start with Adam James, uh, who says, what position do you think we need to strengthen in January? Is a striker essential now after Stansfield start? That's quite a good question, to be honest. Go on, Brian, you go first. Brilliant. Thank you. So I spent most of the dog walk I've just been on thinking about this, uh, go, going through the squad. That's a great answer. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so goalkeeper, you'd say no. It, the only position that really leap out is striker, isn't it? And and I say that not. Yes, Stansfield has solved an issue now, um, but I think that the rest of Blue Squad, the cent, the options at centre back, the options at left back, the options at right back, centre defensive centre mids, and then you've got the you know seven decent players for the, for the three attacking positions. You only you end up looking at well, what have we got up front? Mm. And I say that, and I think Blues have, have worked this quite smartly, because yes, they've got Hogan, Djukovic, uh, and Stansfield, as, as we've said, and even Burke can play up front as well. Um, but I think what's what they've done well is is that that they're not in a not in a moment of desperate need where they absolutely need someone to come in and cover a starting position what but what they will do is hogan and Djukovic are off the books next january yeah sorry next next june and stansfield will go back on loan so they won't have any strikers um next summer so it is about using the January transfer window to address that position for me. And the one deal that they could do, a very long-winded way of getting to this, is if they could anyway sign Jay Stansfield on a permanent, then mm. I'd absolutely be stampeding down the, down, down, the, down, to, down the door at Craven Cottage to get that done. So, yeah, striker for, I think striker still needs looking at, but maybe not as much for the season as season's going forward. Yeah, Stansfield is one that uh, a lot of fans keep asking about. I, I'd be stunned if if Fulham let him go. I think he's got a long-term future there. He signed, I think, a new four-year just before he came on loan to, to Blue. So I'd be stunned if he, uh, if he was allowed to, to leave them in the summer. Um, I agree with, with all your points on the striker situation. I think it's probably the one most pressing concern. I'm just going to throw another in there and say, I think if there is a chance of signing a holding midfielder who is a little bit more progressive with the ball. Um, I think that's a player I, I, I think there's a little bit of room for in this in this blue side. You've obviously got Bielik, who's your guaranteed starter. He's the perfect holding midfielder in many ways. But if you're going to play a guy next to him, I think sometimes you could have a somebody who's a little bit more attacking-minded than, um, than Sunjic. I mean, against Huddersfield, both absolutely superb, did exactly what what John Eustace needed. Uh, but sometimes I just think having both of them there um, limits you a little bit going forward and in possession. Um, Bakuna can do that role, but I actually like him further forward now on the right mm. side of the three. Um, so, yeah, I think a player like that, you're probably looking more of a, more of a loan, but but someone like someone like Saru played for Norwich. I know he cost eight million pounds, I think. But someone like that, you know, would be perfect in this in this blue system, in my opinion. Yeah, just to link the departments together a, li mm. a little a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I share what you say about Bakuna. Uh, Bakuna can do it, but he's 
you know, sometimes he gets trapped with the ball under his feet, trying to throw one a fifty seventh dummy. You know, just to <laughs> just to look spectacular, doesn't he? Rather yeah. than just j- just play the simple ball forward. So, yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, yeah. yeah. So it brings us on to the next one. Um, if it's a fully, f- it's from. Let me just check. Uh, Saley, do you believe yeah, if we had a fully a fully fit squad all season, we'd finish in the top six? You can take that one. That's a, that's a good question. I think the league's so strong this year, it's really difficult to answer. We're going to get our Albion correspondent, Joe Chapman, on to talk about their fortunes um, in a little while. I think they're a good example of a team that not many people thought would have been in the top six at the start of the season, given how strong the league was. Yet there they are, and they have actually got a very strong squad and ca- that's capable of challenging over a season. Um, I think Blues have got a good squad. Um They've got a lot of different players now. They've got a lot of options. Um, some really good players. The problem is, and has been at the start of this season, is you know they haven't been able to get some of their best players, their most talented players. You know, you're looking at Ethan Laird on the pitch enough, and obviously Dembele has just come back from injury. Um, it's a very good squad on paper. Like I said earlier, I would say Blues are. At, a squad that in this league, given how strong it is compared to previous leagues with all those teams coming down and especially the ones that have come up, if you look at Ipswich Town, who are probably going to be in the mix themselves, I think Blues are a team that could end up being, at the end of the last five or six games, like 10th, pushing towards the playoffs. Um, and I think that would be, be a good season. I think there's going to be, there's probably a lot of squads that think they're capable of, uh, of being in that conversation. I'd say Blues are one of them. Yeah, it's not out of the question yet, is it? I, th- I think is 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 the short answer for that one. Mm. Uh, John Ramsey, um, thanks again for your question, John. How on earth can John Eustace say he was happy with the first half performance against Norwich? Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because yeah. I was, I, it, it obviously was the Norwich game. 25 possession and one shot. They shipped six last week. He's making reference to uh, mm. the Canaries losing 6-2 at Plymouth. Uh, we should have gone after them. Tactics far too negative. Um, thoughts about that one, Alex? Well, this is something that I put this one in because this is something that comes up quite a lot when, when at this in the last month or whatever. Um, Blues haven't had that much of the ball in some games, and in some away games, you have seen they've been quite happy to sit back and play on the counter attack. You think of Norwich and Watford in particular. That's worked previously this season against teams like Bristol City and and Swansea. It almost worked as well. Um, Blues, we have mentioned numerous times are a team that has that in them to go and, you know, be horrible to play against, be compact, sit there, sit rigid and deep and and soak up that pressure and counter-attack teams. And I think you can kind of tell from the selection how they're going to play. I think last night's selection against Huddersfield, um, the three players behind the striker, you're talking an expansive style of football there, more possession-based, you know, players who are comfortable on the ball, who want the ball and want to link with each other. Whereas you look at the selection against um, against Norwich and you've got Stansfield wide left, Burke wide right, probably two of the fastest players in the squad. Um, Miyoshi off Scott Hogan, who, you know, is probably um, more of a, probably can hold the ball better than Stansfield can, I'd say, with his back to goal. So you're then talking more of a counter-attacking style, I believe, instead of, you know, what we saw against Huddersfield. So um, mm. I think we're going to see a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I'm not yeah. sure I've, I've massively answered the question there, but I think you're going to see a bit of both. I think we need to put up with Blues potentially having less of the ball sometimes, but there will be games where they play against Huddersfield or a team low down where they dominate the ball and put those progressive, entertaining, attacking players in the team. Yeah, indeed. Uh, just to point out that, that Plymouth beat Norwich 6-2 with 30% possession. Yeah, exactly. And and Luton went up with 45% possession. So, you know, it's a yeah. bit of a bit of a false god for me, possession stats. Yeah. Um, and, and as you say, I, you know, I think as regards being negative, I think away from home against teams with Premier League players in their, in their side, I think Eustace's probably default option is is to be a bit tighter. Yeah. Um, um, and, and until they can dominate possession and play everyone off the park, which I don't think they're ready to do yet. Um, then you know, as you say, it's it's going to be a, a mix and match. Yeah, um, we've got some nice takes here. We uh, have f- from uh, first one from Connor Keane. Hi, Connor. Uh, nice to hear from you again. Um, talking about last night, he said it was an excellent and much needed attacking display. 
Dembele, Dembele, Mayoshi and Longello all brilliant. One thing I'll always say is the pitch could do with widening. I feel uh, feel it would help with the attacking fluidity and allow for more space to exploit from the wingers and the fullbacks. Um, what's your reaction to that one, Alex? I've got a couple of thoughts. How much minor are we talking? How much minor are we talking? Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure they've got the space, to be fair, with the housing behind, behind St Andrews. Uh, but, but yeah. I agree with what Connor said there about the uh, the excellent and much needed attacking display. Um, it was polar opposite to what we'd seen in the months before. It Blues looked so potent going forward. When you think Stansfield was the only player who scored in the month of September to have three different goal scorers, four goals in the first game in October, it was very refreshing um, and much needed, as you say. Um, I agree, Dembele, Miyoshi and Longello, all brilliant. Um, I probably, you know... Potentially wider pitches would suit Blues, yeah, because they are they are strong in those wide areas now. And how how often have we said that? Not just in the wide areas, but also at fullback. When you look at Drame and Lingello, uh, Drame is probably a little bit more defensive minded than some of Blues other fullbacks. Probably more of a a right back version of Buchanan. But Lingello, you know, if he had extra space to to gallop up and down that left wing and get crosses in, then then I'd be all for it. Um, when you think of the, the championship pitches that perhaps are a little bit bigger that Blues have played on so far. You think Bristol City, they use that space really well, uh, particularly the second goal to kill to kill that game off. Swansea, quite a big pitch again. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably is something that does suit Blues, to be fair. It suits this Blues, is what I would say. Yeah. You know, yeah. for, for for many years, it would not have suited, uh, you know, previous variations of Blues who, you know, who were a low block team and, you know, kept things very tight. So we're, on, we're only nine, ten games into this season. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable observation from Connor that I, I think the playing surface um, yeah. is, is as much a factor in in Blues, you know, making alter, alter improving as a, as a possession and p- passing team. Um, and I think it's one of the one of the sort of one percenters that maybe as as owners get under their feet as squads t- as squad get under the, get their feet under the table. Sorry, as squads become more uh, more settled, you start mm. to then just look at those margins, don't you? And and and, and may, maybe do it then. So yeah, it's an interesting point from from Kieran uh, from uh, Connor. Sorry, Kieran is the next one, um, yeah. and he says whilst it. Uh, whilst it may have some teething issues, given the one win in 20 stat where we have plus 50% possession, we need to continue to try and dominate the ball because the front four is frightening. Um, uh, and we should hold that same intent every game. I think we've kind of kind of addressed that, Kieran, to the extent that I don't think you can maybe go to Leicester and be as be as open and as ambitious and get, you know get in get into a footballing basketball game with 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 players like Mavadidi and and Harry Winks mm. and and Dewsbury Hall and players like that. But the, against the right opponents, yeah, I, I, you know I think Blue should be should be front footed and expansive in in the way that they the way way that they are. What, what do you make of of Kieran's point? I've been you know tell anyone who will listen to me this season about the sheer number of championship teams that that are winning games with less of the ball. Um, you look at Preston, I think all of their victories this season have come when they've had um, less possession than their opponent. Um, Blues until last night were the same. The first three wins came, I think, with 40% and 35% twice. So um, it's clearly a theme. I think a lot of teams have taken inspiration from Luton that you mentioned earlier about having 45% of the ball and going up playing that 3-5-2 system because um, a lot of teams are probably working on limited budgets and are having to do it the Luton way. The likes of you know Blues, I think Coventry were a good example of it last season with a 3-5-2 as well. Um, and it's, it's almost like you know teams don't want the ball at times this season. Um Given that you know the sheer number that have been doing better without it, but um, like like you say, Brian, and also like Kieran says, Blues need to have a bit of both. But Blues do need to be better with the ball in the, in in some of these games. Um, probably against the likes of QPR when they had you know more of the ball and weren't as good with it. I think last night was a was a good benchmark, and hopefully we can see more of that one going forward. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it comes down to the fact that who, who is the attacking forward, doesn't it? If, you, mm. if you've got Dembele finishing chances and, and Stansfield making chances and Mayoshi causing mayhem, then, of course, you can dominate the ball and, of course, you can afford to take a few more chances and, and try and widen the pitch and make, make more space. Because yeah. if you score the first goal, you know, it's a massive cliche, but it does absolutely shape that shape a championship game, doesn't it? And Blues haven't been scoring that first goal, which is where maybe they've been getting a little bit negative and or been ended up chasing games. Uh, and, and now they have. So and and last night they did and and it looked really, really good. So yeah, more of the same on that front. Yeah. Um last take from Simon Quigley, um, who says it's a different side with Dembele. Bielik, an absolute Rolls-Royce. Longello and Drame growing with each game. Need to keep that front four and approach more often than not. Um, similar to what Kieran said about the, the front four, um, I agree with pretty much all of those uh, those statements in there. Um, I probably want to touch on Bielik a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, I think yeah me too. He's, yeah. yeah, he's so good. And I, I, was, I was saying to you yesterday, I think that if, having watched Norwich at the weekend, and I thought they were quite a good team, I think if they had a player like Bielik, in their midfield, I'd be looking at them as as dead certs for a, for a playoff spot and to be in the mix for the top two. Um, I I can't think of a better holding midfield player in this league. He's absolutely superb. When the ball is you know head height in in front of the defence, he's always going to win it. He just nods them down, plays things simply, keeps the ball moving. Um, and what I love most about him, I think, is that he is. I feel like you can gauge how the team is feeling when you speak to Bielik. Um, he's so kind of honest and analytical in the way he speaks. And, you know, after the Norwich game on, on Saturday, he was beating himself up more than any other player for the way he used the ball in the first half. Um, you know, so I just think he's top notch. Um, you know, if he has a full season, you know, without those injuries and replicates what he did last season, then you are looking at a player who, was transferred for eight million pounds again. Yeah, just on Bielik, um uh, I agree. The, the actual absolute fulcrum of the team. I mm. think I'm right. So I've written written this down, and I'm just going to double check it while while we're on now. But I think I'm right in saying that last night he won more headers uh, than than any other Blues player. Yeah, that is right. And he and he, and he made and he made more interceptions than any other Blues player as well. So that speaks to your point about him just clearing things up and putting yeah. out fires before they even become fires. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I just he's the, he's the most crucial side in player in the in the team for me. I, you know, I just don't. He's the one that there isn't really a like for like replacement for. Uh, no. And fair play to him if he sticks another forty games in this season after what he's been through. And on the back of last season, to be fair, which included the World Cup, mm. uh, then, you know, I th- he'll, he'll be money really, really well spent. Uh, so, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll find no bigger Christian Bielik fan than, than me. Um, moving on to our last topic today, the big game against West Brom on Friday night. Blues have announced it will be a, a sellout um, with the 834 that are going to be standing slash sitting on the lower Tilton, uh, the new rail seats, it's going to be 21,000 plus attendance for the first time since before COVID. Um, it'll be all the attendances Blues have had so far this season. So that's great news uh, to begin. West Brom coming into a little bit of form, Brian? Yeah, they are. Um, I, I kind of uh, looked at the league tab- table last night to see where, where the wind put Blues and and stumbled over myself and I saw Albion up in the, in the playoffs yeah. and, yeah. You, you know... I kind of think they were having a middling season, struggling for goals, uh, but clearly not. You know, they've, they've had a big win at Preston, um, who got a little bit of what was coming to them, in my view. Um, yeah. And then, then, then another win against Sheffield Wednesday last night. So, yeah, they're in good form. Hopefully, Blues are just about to start a run of of good form, and it's probably a good opportunity to to bring uh, our colleague and West Brom reporter correspondent Joe Chapman into into proceedings. Um, hi, Joe. Hello, both. How are you? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Um, just want to ask you, Joe, how's this happened? How are Albion in the in the playoffs? Because the last time I checked, uh, they were struggling and not scoring goals. Oh, it's the championship, isn't it? I, I think it just it does at this point in the season. It's still a case of if you win two in a row, you can go up ten dozen a dozen places in one go. And Albion have had a particularly good four or five days, and. Um, 
they've had a pretty decent return to football after the international break. Actually, they were they were disappointing in defeat against Huddersfield before that, and then they knitted together three draws on the on the bounce. They could have conceivably won all three of those games if they'd have had uh, a little bit more composure in front of goal. And um, and then it really just all came into place on Saturday where they put in, for my money and for the money of a lot of Albion fans, their most complete performance under Corbran. Their most complete performance, in my view, away from home since they beat Chelsea in the Premier League um, when they scored five behind closed doors. They were absolutely brilliant. They, they scored in the first five minutes and um, and Preston has uh, spoken to Alex about this before and a few other Blues fans I know about how poor Preston were the night that they turned Blues over. Um, they just didn't have any answer for it. And um, Albion were really, really comfortable all the way throughout. They were slick. They, they played some really good stuff in between. They pressed out of, out of possession as, as, as a collective and um, they scored some really good goals. And... They've, they have done this. They've scored three or four goals in three or four games this season. So goals mm. tend to come. It's a bit of a feast or famine from one week to the next. They've either drawn a blank or, you know, they, 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 they're almost free scoring. So they have hit a bit of form. It was definitely more workmanlike against Sheffield Wednesday, who weren't going to allow them the same room and, and, um, and time as, um, as Preston did. It certainly wasn't going to be a more open game. So uh, it was more about how they were going to kind of unlock the the, the defence and um, they scored a great goal and, and really dominated without ever seeing the game off. And then in such circumstances, you naturally have a pretty nervy Hawthorns for the last 10 minutes. But it, it, in truth, Sheffield Wednesday never came close to scoring. So they're in they're in pretty good nick at the minute, actually, Albion. Joe, I, um, I know Albion have got a, an injury list as long as Blues. Um, can you run us through that and also... Tell us which players we should be looking out for who could potentially cause Blues problems. Yeah, I, I, Corbran um, was pretty downbeat actually last night in his press conference when he revealed to us that Jeremy Sarmiento is going to be out for the next month. Somebody they brought in from Brighton on loan who uh, only started his first game last week, uh, the weekend before last against Millwall uh, and did pretty well. Um, he's definitely had the feeling more of an impact player, somebody who you really don't want running at you as a fullback. For 20 minutes at the end of your game, um, and he 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 did okay against uh, against Millwall. Again, quite similar in the in the sense that they were going to kind of sit there and expect you as a team to come and open them up. Um, and he didn't quite have a, a, as much joy as he might have liked. Um, so he's going to be a big miss actually, just sheerly because it's another attacking player that they're missing. And they lost Josh Madger, who was another summer signing uh, at Bristol City um, last month. He's out for a couple of months because he did his his ankle ligaments in a in a challenge in the in the penalty area at Bristol City. So, I mean, they're effectively aside from Pippa, the defender who they signed on loan from Ludogorets on deadline day, who's just really cover for Darnell Furlong. That that's really the the, the bulk of their summer business that has just been wiped out. Um, so, effectively, for the for the time being, Albion are proceeding throughout the course of the rest of this next month and, and certainly into the November international break. Uh, with the squad that they had at the end of last season, and they're kind of relying again on Thomas Asante, on Wallace, on Swift, on Dean Garner, who definitely looks very much rejuvenated at the moment, to produce, hoping that nobody else picks up any more injuries. Um, Dean Garner didn't start on Tuesday night because he was very unwell on Monday and had a, had a high temperature, managed to come off the bench in the last five minutes, but um, was never going to start the game. It should be OK by Friday. And Daryl DK is going to be out until probably about January time. Um, and Adam Reach is going to be out until January time as well. So, you know, that's two wingers and two centre forwards that they're missing. So similarly to, to Blues, I mean, Blues have got issues across the pitch. I suppose Albion's is a bit more concentrated. It's yeah. it's definitely their final third where they're having to basically just pray that Thomas Asante, for example, doesn't go down with an injury. Um, that players like Swift and Wallace, who, have, who Swift particularly have started this season really, really well. Um, has scored five goals and they've just got to hope that he keeps his form and, and his fitness. And um, at the minute, it, it's kind of working and they've overcome all these different hurdles. But, uh, you know, from one week to the next, you just cross your fingers open, something new doesn't spring up. Joe, just uh, d does Corbran have a sort of a factory setting in ter terms of formation? Because I noticed that Preston didn't play a striker, did he? No, he plays Jed Wallace there in, in, the, in the absence of DK and, and now Madger. He plays Wallace uh, and basically his his intention was to just give 
Thomas Asante a bit of a breather because he was playing 90 minutes practically every week. And Thomas Asante is a pretty robust guy. You know, he, he's definitely worked on his own shape and his build in pre-season. He's come back looking a lot bigger, um, more championship-like uh, over the course of the summer. But he has got three. He has got three goals this season. But he might have had half a dozen by now if he'd have had just a little bit more sharpness in front of goal. So they changed it around a little bit, and Wallace took the burden of being the centre forward, makeshift centre forward on Saturday, and it kind of worked a treat really because it meant that you know I suppose the Preston defenders were probably a little bit unnerved because all of a sudden you had Dean Garner, Wallace, Swift, Phillips is now playing as a left wing back, um, all operating with with various you know license to roam and an attack and. They were they, the, the interchange was it was really really attractive football to watch actually at times. Um, a lot of it was orchestrated by Alex Mowat, who having been farmed out on loan to Middlesbrough last season has, has had an entirely new lease of life at Albion, and he's been for the last three games he's been starting and he's run the show in every single game in midfield. So they've um, they've got some good footballers Albion. They, they had some good footballers on their books anyway who were underperforming when Corbran went in last season. Um, this time last year, I mean. Bruce's, Steve Bruce's reign was just about to come to an end and they were in the bottom three. So they're a world away from that. Um, and as I say, that's all with pretty minimal investment and, and recruitment. So that 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 says a lot about the job that Corbrand's done. Um, they'll line up in a 3-4-3. It's the third game in seven days, as it is for Blues. So I don't know whether he'll maybe look after a few players who might be prone to injury. Players like Matt Phillips, for example, he could bring Connor Townsend mm. in to play left wing back. Uh, Shemi Ajayi can't get back in at the moment because Kipper and Bartley are doing so well. So you can see, you know, again, an opportunity to change there. Jason Munby's just an absolute engine and he hasn't started either the last two games. So they've got a few options still. It's just up front, really, where the, the players that are there, the existing players that are available, have to keep firing. Shall we uh, Shall we do a quick score prediction before we wrap up? Oh, I was worried you were going to say that. Um... Yeah. I know, I, I wasn't going to, but... <laughs> I thought as we've got as we've got an Albion guy here for balance, you know, it might be worth it. Uh, Joe, kick us off first. Go on. Oh, well, as you two boys both know, I've a lot of Blues allegiance in my household. Um, but I do feel as though it is time that Albion had a little bit of payback with Blues as well, because in my lifetime, I've never remembered Blues going on such a winning run against Albion. So I do think Albion might turn the tables this weekend, taking into account Blues' excellent result last night. I think Albion might squeak it two one. I was going to go Blues 2-1. So, uh, Brian, decide it. Go. <laughs> Shall I sit on the fence and go for a draw? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to go with Blues. I, re- I You know, I think last night really would have given them a, a proper shot in the arm. Uh, they created lots of chances and, and the, the interchanging of, of, of their front four players. Um, and bearing in mind, you know, Carl Bartley hasn't got the greatest record against Blues. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say... I can't have 2 1. I'll say 3 2. Let's go for some goals. 3 2. It's definitely not Lovely. going to happen, is it? But there we go. Lovely. Uh, thank you, Joe. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the latest episode of Keep Right On. We'll be back next week. Bye.